Thank you for listening to the First Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. Here you will be able to listen to all of our Sunday morning sermons. Be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss a sermon. Enjoy today's message. Thy kingdom come on earth. That's the easiest part of the sermon right there. I'm so glad that Chris set that up for me. So. <laughs> Hey, if you don't know me, my name is John Rhodes. I'm the Children's and Family Minister here at First Christian Church. You might not see me around all that much because I am over in Kids Zone in the gym normally. We have fun over there. We play games. We do Bible study. We do all kinds of different things, and it's a great time over there. And uh, we, we are so glad to be able to do that service for, for the families here at the church. You know, when I first started in kids ministry about five, six years ago, I didn't know exactly what I was doing. I wanted, went to school to be a student minister to work with more teenagers and stuff like that. But God led me in a different direction. He led me toward kids ministry. And so I said, well, if that's what God's going to do with my life, if that is where God's going to place me, then that's what I'm going to do. And I was feeling a little insecure about kids ministry because, again, that's not where I went. I, I didn't go to college for that. Yes, I learned the Bible in college and those ministry, those kind of things. But I didn't learn specifically kids ministry. And so what I did was I talked to a lot of different kids ministers that I knew, and one in particular, his name is Nathan Bright. He's no longer a kids minister, but he was for tens of years, 20, 30 years, something like that. Wonderful man, great guy. Um, he, you can tell he's a kids minister because he's got like nine kids, okay? I mean, he, may, he puts Dan's family to shame. I mean... <laughs> It's like double what's going on over there, all right? But he, he is a wonderful, wonderful man. And so I met with him probably about two or three weeks before I went to my first children's ministry job. And I remember sitting down and talking to him for hours, just some picking his brain, some him just telling me stories, just, just trying to gain any knowledge I could gain for children's ministry. And I remember one thing he told me. He said, never forget the words of Jesus. Never forget, unless you become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. He said, you're going to do a lot of things in those kids' lives. He said, you're going to teach those kids a lot of different things, and you're going to work with a lot of different volunteers, and you're going to serve the church the best way you can. He said, you're going to do all that stuff. He said, but the thing you cannot forget to do is to learn from those kids as well. He said, because as much as you have to teach those kids, those kids also have something to offer to teach you. And one thing that when I first got into children's ministry, one thing that I noticed that really impressed me about kids is how they pray. Okay? All right? They are blunt. They are simple. They're authentic. And they let God know how it is. Okay? They, they, they don't have any, any idea of like, well, maybe I should say this. Maybe I shouldn't say that. Or they, they just go for it. Okay? And I find that admirable. I find it admirable that they say, you know what? I'm just talking to God. And I'm going to let God know what's on my heart. I'm going to let God know what's in my mind. And I'm going to have a conversation, a true conversation with God. Because he's my father and he loves me and he wants to hear from me. And so I've always cherished the times when kids pray because I feel like there's something we can learn from them because they're authentic, because they're simple, and they're spontaneous. And I think, at least in my life and maybe in your life too, I can learn to have my prayers be a little bit more authentic. I can learn to have my prayers be a little bit more simple. And I can learn to have my prayers be a little bit more spontaneous. 
And the truth is, we all have something to learn about prayer. Whether, whether you want to say we all have something to learn, we all have something that we can be more comfortable about, whatever it is, we can all improve in our prayer life in some way. And if you don't believe me, all right, here's a Bible verse, okay? Romans chapter 8, verse 26. The Holy Spirit, by the way, this is Paul, guy who wrote like half the New Testament writing this, okay? The Holy Spirit helps us with our daily problems and and are praying, for we don't even know what we should pray for, nor how to pray as we should. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with such feeling that it cannot be expressed in words. All right, that, the guy saying all the we's in here, like I said, that's the guy who wrote half the New Testament, saying we don't even know what we should pray for, nor how to pray as we should. He's telling us that none of us are perfect prayers. Thank God for the Holy Spirit who prays for us, but none of us are perfect prayers. All of us can improve in that area of our lives, whether we want to believe it or not. And so when we go to the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus speaks about prayer, we're given instruction on how we can pray. And I want to make it clear that in this area of Scripture, there is, there is some debate. There's some debate on whether or not Jesus is giving exact instructions for exactly how you should pray publicly, or saying, hey, you have to say these words every single time when you pray, or if it's like, hey, you have to pray this every single time when you pray to God, whether it's in public, whether it's in private, or there's some people that say, you know what, it's just a guide, use it whenever, don't feel like you ever have to use it, but if you need it, go for it. All right, there's a lot of debate around this. And I think if you know the context and and you've been listening to what Chris said about the context of the Sermon on the Mount, I think we can deduce from this that Jesus is talking about praying together as a group when it's not just you. Now, does this mean that we can't use this in our private prayer lives? No, of course not. It can be helpful. But what Jesus gets into here is he gets into a little bit of how not to pray and then how to pray to give us a good idea that of how we cannot do the things that he doesn't want us to do. All right? So, the first thing that he doesn't want us to do is pray for man and not God. You see, we are to pray for God, not for man. We are to pray to God, for God, not to impress other people, not to make ourselves feel better about ourselves, but to pray to God, focusing on him. Look at what Jesus said in verses 5 and 6. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and as and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And so the first question we have here is, is, is Jesus himself condemning public prayer? No, he's not condemning public prayer here. The apostles prayed publicly. Paul prayed publicly. He prayed publicly in his letters with other people. Okay, this is not Jesus condemning public prayer. What he is saying here is he's saying, if you're just doing this for yourself, if you're just doing this to make yourself look better or to impress other people, then you're not actually praying. You're just trying to boost up your own ego. You're just trying to make yourself seem better, better, whether it's to your family or your church or whatever it might be. And, and that is not the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is to focus on God and to connect 
with him. And so if we want our reward for prayer, we seek it from God and not man. Because at the end of the day, will the reward from other people of impressing them last? It won't. In today's day and age and all throughout human history, people do not remain impressed by other people for their entire lives. We can mess up. We can do things wrong. And the reward does not last. And so it's just one more way to further emphasize the fact that whether it's public prayer or whether it's private prayer, whatever it might be, that our job when we're praying is to focus on God. To, to, to think about what we're saying to him, think about our connection with him and not about ourselves. Number two, pray to be real, not to look right. Pray to be real, not to look right. Look what it says in verse seven. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. All right, I'm going to quote what Rick Warren said about this. He said, longer is not stronger. Okay? You guys know this. All right? You're at Thanksgiving. Okay? And the, the one person that just decides they're going to take a 20-minute prayer while the ham smells good. Okay? Longer is not always stronger. Okay? And, and we don't need to keep saying the same thing over and over and over again because at the end of the day, it, if we're doing that, trying to make ourselves look better with the way we say things different, then we're just trying to serve ourselves. We're not focusing on God. We're not speaking to him, having an actual conversation with him. So I'm going to give you guys an example, okay? Your friend, okay? Imagine you have a friend. I hope everybody here has a friend, okay? Imagine you have a friend, and they tell you they are going to go into surgery tomorrow, okay? And that friend says, will you pray for me? All right? Here's what you do. You bow your head. You say, Lord, my friend is going into surgery, you say, please help them leading up to the surgery. Please help the doctors not make any mistakes during the surgery. And please give them a quick recovery with minimal pain. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we don't need a 20-minute lecture about where hospitals come from and why they're important. Okay, we just, we don't need that. Okay, I'm sure if you're, if you're privately praying to God and you want to thank him for hospitals, you can go into that. But you, you, when you're praying with somebody else, you don't have to go into every single little detail and talk about it over and over and over again. You can be simple and you can be authentic with talking to God and telling him what is going on and asking for his help. You see, Prayer should be a conversation with God and not a ritual, okay? Prayer is more of a conversation with a father who loves you, who cares about you and wants to hear from you, than a ritual where you're trying to earn, earn reward and grace from, from somebody else because at the end of the day, you don't need to earn the grace of God. The grace of God is already there, okay? Number three, the person who is praying is not a special messenger to God. All right, the person who is praying, whether they're up here on the stage, whether they're praying before dinner, they are not a special messenger to God who is letting God in on things that God doesn't know about. Okay, look at this. Next verse, verse 8. Do not be like them, for their Father knows what you need before you ask him. All right, somebody is not getting up here on the stage on Sunday morning and informing God, and God's saying, oh yeah, I didn't know that. Thanks for letting me know. Right? God doesn't say that. God knows all of what we are going to ask for, all of what we have to say before we even say it. And he still wants to hear from us. And so then it comes down to how do you view God? How do you view 
God? Do you view God like the boss in your life who's telling you what to do? Because if God is your boss, then you say, well, God already knows, so I'm not going to bother him, right? You don't need to go to your boss multiple times a day and tell him something he already knows or she already knows, right? You don't need to keep doing that over and over and over again. Or is God your agent who's just serving you, helping you, doing the things that that you want? Because if he already knows, then you're not going to bother your time with going to tell God because, well, he's my agent and he's already serving me. He already knows what I need, so, so I don't need to go to him. But what does the verse say? Your father, oh, go back to the last one. Your father knows what you need. God is your father. And that relationship, that, that speaking to you, gives us the, the, the description of what we need about praying to God. You see, your father loves you. Your father cares about you. He wants to hear from you. He wants to know what's going on. Even if he already knows what's going on, he still wants to hear from you because he cares about you, because he loves you, and he wants you to communicate with him. And maybe some of you, you had a father like that in your life. And if you did, that's wonderful. And you have a good image of what this is like. And and, and I'm so thankful that you had that. But for some of you, maybe you didn't have that fatherly figure in your life. Maybe you didn't have a father who wanted to hear from you, who was compassionate towards you, who was gracious towards you. And maybe that image is a little bit harder to see. Thankfully, the Bible gives us wonderful descriptions of how God is like a father. And so I want to read one of those. Okay, this is from Matt. This is from Psalm chapter 103, which is five verses. And I'd encourage you to read this psalm later on if you can, because it's just wonderful. But this is just one piece of it. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children. It's a wonderful depiction of God as our Father. Caring, compassionate, merciful, faithful, constant in our lives. You know, I have a daughter who's 16 months old, and I think she's in Wee Kids right now because we don't hear her right now, but she'd be making noise if she was in here. Trust me, ask anybody in first service. But she, she, she is wonderful, and I love her, and I love when she talks to me when she communicates with me in any way at all, right? And right now, we're doing a lot of sign language because she can say things, but she doesn't say them as consistently, so we're doing a lot of sign language. So she's funny because, like, if anybody here has a baby, you know, thank you, right? Okay, well, she gets so excited. She's like, you know, <laughs> face palm, you, okay? And so, but, but I love every moment I have that she communicates with me, whether it's sign language, whether she's saying cheese, whatever it might be, whatever she's saying, I love every second she gives me that she communicates with me. And I remember when she was born, holding her in my arms and just thinking to myself, all I want to do is talk to you. All I want to do is communicate with you. I want you to communicate with me. I want you to tell me what's going on. I want to hear from you. Even if I already know what has happened to her, I still want her to talk to me to communicate with me. And that's how your heavenly father feels about you. He knows exactly what's going on. He knows what's on your heart. 
He knows what your worries are. He knows what your stress is about. He knows what hurts you. He knows what what gives you pain. But he still wants you to communicate with him day in and day out. And it is a treasure every time you do. Because your father loves you and he cares about you. And it is like pure gold when you communicate with him. We go on from there. And, and Jesus starts his, his area where he tells us how to pray. He gave us the three things of how not to pray, things that we should avoid. And then he gives us the five things that we should do when we pray. Okay, whether it's praying publicly, I believe he's, cer- he's certainly talking about public prayer here. However, this can also be used for private prayer as well. Number one, declare God in his rightful place. Declare God in his rightful place. Put him above everybody else because that's where he deserves to be. We're not going to talk about him like he's an equal because he is higher and above than us. Let's look what it says in verse 9. The words of Jesus. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Putting God above the rest of us because they're saying, Jesus is saying here, that we're not looking at God as an equal that we're talking to, but we are putting him above us, saying this is who God is. He is above us. And however you, you decide to depict that, you, you go into how Jesus or how God is higher than you. Jesus told us that. And at the end of the day, what we have to look at here is the very beginning where it says, pray then like this. Jesus is more concerned about your conduct rather than your content. Okay, he's not telling us, use these words exactly. Pray this, these words exactly. He's not saying, do this exactly. He's saying, pray then like this. And so when we go into the Lord's Prayer, we have to understand that he is expressing the conduct in which we pray rather than the exact content that he expects from us. And so then number two, we look, it says, pray for God's presence. Pray for God's presence. Let's look at verse 10. Your kingdom come, hey, this is familiar, right? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As Christians, heaven is what we yearn for. Heaven is what we long for. The, the, the hymn of heaven song that we just, we just sang, right? We, we, we yearn for that day where there will be no pain. We long for the, for the relationship with God where we are right there with him. And there is no barrier. There is nothing between us and his perfect love, his perfect grace, and everything remains with us. And Jesus actually preached this throughout his ministry multiple times. He talked about the kingdom of God coming down and what that looks like and how that comes to us. And, and when we look at all those different areas where Jesus talked about the kingdom coming down, what did he specifically talk about the most in all those areas? It was love, that the love of God would be present here on this earth. And the Bible tells us multiple times that the way God's love is here is through you and me. We are made in God's image. We are the full expression of his love. Jesus told his disciples that they will, people will know you are my disciples by how you love. And so when we pray this prayer, we're We're praying, asking God to display his love through us. Whether it be with the group that we're in, whether it be with the people we're close to, whether it be with the entire world, whatever it might be, that that his love would be on display through us. And so if you find yourself praying for this, think about what area 
Are you, are you, do you feel like there needs to be more love? Does there need to be more compassion? Pray for there to be more compassion. Do you feel like there needs to be more caring for the needy? Pray for more caring for the needy. Do you feel like there needs to be more encouragement because the people around you are feeling down and, and like they are worthless? Pray for encouragement. If you feel like there needs to be more teaching of the Bible and God's actual love and what that actually looks like, pray for teaching of the Bible. Whatever you view as there needing to be more love of in this world, in your community, in your family, in your church, whatever it might be, you pray for that. And it's not, it, it, we all see it. We all see the broken world around us and how there can be more love. Number three, pray for God to provide. Pray for God to provide what is needed. And this verse is, is a little hard to, to understand sometimes, but at the end of the day, if you know the context of the Old Testament, you know exactly what Jesus is saying here. Give us this day our daily bread. Bread is oftentimes used as the image of what sustains us or what sustains something in the Bible. It started with the Old Testament, and Jesus kept it going later on, where he talked about bread, and bread was given to the Israelites. It was what they needed to sustain, them, sustain themselves. And so what we're, what we're praying about here is what sustains us. Pray here for what is needed to sustain what is happening. If you're praying at church, pray for safe travels. Pray for sufficient funds. Pray for righteous leadership. Those are things that the church needs. If you're praying as a family, pray for trust. Pray for food. Pray for good health. Those are things that a family needs. If you're praying for our nation or as a nation, pray for a just government. Pray for the economy. Pray for wisdom for our leaders. Those are things that our nation needs. Every nation needs, not just ours. Every nation needs. And so when we go to God praying, asking for those things, we have to remember it, we are praying for what we need. What is a necessity? What needs to happen in order for this function to remain happening? Right? And so when, when we go to God, does that mean that we can't, we, we can't speak about things we want or things that we think would be good? Not exactly. That doesn't mean that God doesn't want to hear those things, but God wants us to focus on the things that we need, that the church needs, that our nation needs, that our family needs, and ask him to bring those things to us. And number four, pray for God to forgive us and through us. Verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And, the, and, and this debts right here, it's just a simile for sin. All right? Jesus paid the debt for our sins. Right? Okay? It, it, it's just used as, as for our sins. And so we have to remind ourselves. And what Jesus is telling us here is to be reminded as a group, and, and not just as a group, but ourselves personally, that we were forgiven and that we should also forgive others. That, that our lives, if we are to be forgiven, we have to also recognize that other people can be forgiven too. And that we are to focus on God and his forgiveness and his love and not ourselves. And, and for some of us, that can be a little difficult. We have a hard time forgiving other people. Actually, for all of us, that's difficult. When somebody wrongs you, it's easy to point the blame. It's easy to say, well, they did it what was worse than me. Or, or I would never do anything like that. Or I don't know how I can ever talk to that person again because of how much they wronged me. But it's important for us to recall the enormity of our offenses against God and not to over-exaggerate 
the views of the offenses that have been done against us. Recognize how truly offensive we have been to God, what we have done to him, how we have rejected him, how we have focused more on ourselves than on him, and how we've disregarded what he tells us to do in our lives, that we would recognize the enormity of that, but also not over-exaggerating what others have done to us. Yes, other people have treated you poorly, and yes, you have, you have a right to be upset that you were treated poorly, but you also have the love of God in you. And if God is going to forgive you because of his love, then we can also forgive others and not over-exaggerate the things that other people have done to us. Brush it off. Understand that we all sin and forgive other people as well. And honestly, in my experience, a simple mention of this is enough because it's heart-piercing enough to recognize that we need forgiveness and we also need to forgive others as well. And oftentimes, the heart can go into understanding that enough, that we need forgiveness and that we need to forgive others as well. Number five, pray for God to protect us from sin. Verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And that's kind of a weird way to put it, but if you look at the Greek, the best way, the most understandable way that I've heard it said and looked at it is do not allow us to be led into temptation that we cannot overcome. Do not allow us to be led into temptation that we cannot overcome. And we have to recognize here that this is our final plea to God and the prayer. And what it does is it puts him right back in his rightful place above us because we express our dependency on him, that we need him, that we need Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, and that we need God to not sin because we can't do it on our own. It's not, it's not enough for us to be ourselves, that we have to have God. And so what we're essentially saying here is, God, we are not good enough on our own. Help us. And that puts God in one of the highest places that we possibly can. You see, the Lord's Prayer is meant to express our dependency on God. It's not meant to put ourselves in a certain place or anything. And at the end of the day, Jesus wants to revisit one more time, another, another part. Go to the next verse. For if you have forgiven others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You see, as we draw closer to God, we will be more like God. True prayer draws us closer to God. And the closer we are to him, the more we think like him, the more we act like him, the more love we have like him. And I think it's incredible. I think it's incredible that, that Jesus knew that. Not, not, not that he knew that, but he knew that enough to bring up the next portion, which kind of gets overlooked sometimes because it's just three verses, but I think it's much more impactful than sometimes we realize. Verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. 
But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. See, Jesus spoke of fasting as, as if it were a common occurrence, because it was. The Pharisees fasted on Mondays and Thursdays. John's disciples, they fasted regularly. We don't know exactly how regularly, but they fasted regularly as well. And fasting, it's just abstaining from food, okay? And they did these things, but Jesus' followers didn't. Jesus' followers did not fast. And Jesus gives us an explanation. Look at, look at the next verse. Then the followers of John came to Jesus and said, Why do we and the Pharisees often fast for a certain time, but your followers don't? Kind of accusatory, right? Jesus answered, The friends of the bridegroom are not sad while he is with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and then they will fast. See, folks... Prayer draws us closer to God, but there are those instances in our lives where we just need more. But we need to be closer to God, whether it's doubt that's coming into your life, whether it's pain that is happening, whether it's something that you just can't feel like you can deal with it anymore. Fasting is a response of sadness and yearning to unite with God. And like prayer, it is for God and not man. Jesus' followers didn't have to fast because they were already with Jesus. But when he left, he knew they would need to do it again because he knew they would need to unite with God again. And that's what we do with our fasting. We don't make it a spectacle for other people to see, but we do it to unite and focus on God. You see, you were made for God and not man. You were made to follow God, to live like God, to act like God, to believe in God. You were made for him, not to impress other people, not to make yourself seem higher than others, not to put yourself on a pedestal that says that I'm, I'm greater or I can do something better than other people, which makes me better, but that we would focus on God and know that we were made for him. And the closer you are to God, when you recognize that, the closer you are to God, the less stressed and the more blessed you will be when we are closer to God. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing, right? How to get close to God. It's free. It's simple. It's easy. All right? He doesn't make you do a song and dance. He doesn't come to you and say, well, make sure you've accomplished these three things first and then you can come to me. He doesn't say that. Then he make you fold your hands. That was just something you learned as a kid. Okay? It's a good thing to do, but you don't have to do it. It's free. It's simple. It's easy. All he wants you to do is communicate with him. There's no putting you on hold. There's no answering machine. There's no call back later. God is there and ready to hear from you. Because he is merciful, he is gracious, he is patient, he is faithful, he is constant, he is consistent, he is forgiving, he is just, and he is waiting for you to respond. Because he loves you like a father, and all he wants is to communicate with you. It's a conversation, it's not a ritual. Let's pray. 
Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for everybody who's here. Thank you for the Sermon on the Mount and the gift that is in our lives. That we can read the words of Jesus. That we can be encouraged. That we can be given instruction. And that we can know that you're always there for us. And Lord, at the same time, how we focus on you and and we put our, our faith and our trust in you, you also care about us. You also give us what what we need. And Lord, we have the freedom to search for you, to call upon you at any time. And Lord, that's what I would pray would happen today. That if there's anybody who's here who needs to call upon you, they would set aside their pride or, or anything else that's keeping them from doing that. And they would recognize that you're there waiting just to communicate with us. Lord, we we love you so much. We pray that you would help us to be more like you each and every day. And Lord, that we would forgive others as you have forgiven us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.